0: welcome to behind the dm screen it is march of 2022 we are three dms talking about our games and helping each other out i am jeff greiner uh mike say hi hello and also with us is jeremiah
1: hi ho there
0: Welcome, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, who is not Sam. Sam had a, you know life come up, and so we let him off the hook, and, um, you know, Jeremiah's going to fill in as, as a, a worthy backup.
1: I, I look forward to filling his Grognard shoes. <laughs>
0: there you go. <laughs> Somebody needs to. <laughs> All right, so according to the order uh, this time around, I get to go first.
2: Oh wow. Funny how that worked out. There's a system. I, uh-huh. I promise it's fair. <laughs> There's a trans a, a translucent system. A hidden system in I'm... which you end up going first at least one sort at a time. Yes, <laughs> I, that's I, the system. <laughs> it needs to be verified.
0: <laughs> I could I could verify. It. I have this you. whole notebook. This whole <laughs> legal pad is nothing but my notes. Does it go back to the,
2: to the earliest days?
0: Going back, well, no, because I've lost stuff since then. But uh <laughs> January of 2020. I can go back to January of 2020.
1: What, you're not still talking about the podcast network you were in in 2008?
0: Um, I mean, I can. Would you like to hear more about the Vorpal network? <laughs> I, think, I think I still own that domain if we ever wanted to revive it. Hey, you know. I offered to sell it to, to somebody once that went off and, and made their own podcast <laughs> network. but and,
1: and, 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 and then we can... Uh, uh, Blog on temporary hit points. Yep. Uh, okay. wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't.
0: I don't know if I still own that or not. Who's got time to write blogs? <laughs> this
2: guy right here. You still write blogs? All I get is email newsletters for you these days. Well, that's the interesting thing. Uh. <laughs> so, I, yes, they are actually the blog articles right, that are sent as an email <laughs> newsletter. And it turns out they are read five times more as a newsletter than they are as a blog. Mm-hmm. Five times.
0: Mm. We we live in an age where like RSS feeds and, and blog subscriptions aren't really a thing.
2: Well, the RSS feed is what's feeding the newsletters. No, no, so no. I'm, no, still, no, I'm no. still happy uh, yeah, with the no. RSS feed. The technology still works, but nobody's, <laughs> right. nobody's subscribing. No, no one's got like, yeah, what was it, Google Reader. Right? Yeah.
0: Well, they, they got rid of it,
2: so. Right.
0: Yeah, no, that that's ultimately part of why I stopped blogging. It's like, okay, but how do I get it to – how do I even subscribe to blogs I'm interested in anymore? It's, yeah. it's
1: too hard. That's true. It's a good point, yeah. Feedly, Feedly it's also built yeah. into a number of browsers. Yeah. Well,
0: it, yeah. But it wasn't then.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: anyway, now we've used up uh, – That counts least, as your time. Le- no, my time is moving. That's all. No, I, that's – I said it's moving. I'm watching my time. <laughs> so uh, games – once upon a time, I finished my big campaign back in like December, November, whatever it was, right? The big uh, Curse of Strahd, Tomb of Annihilation, Dragon Heist, Dragon
2: Heist yeah. uh, um, campaign. You have some Gretel root thrown in there, if I recall. Did you have? I thought you had one of my the, things in there,
0: there. Well, there was a Grindel root concept I stole and put okay. it in, and put it in the Margrave, but I but it also included the Margrave,
2: <laughs> Margrave, yeah. Right, I remember that,
0: yeah. Um, And a little bit of Ghost of Saltmarsh, too. Um, But so back then the the campaign ended and I'm like, hey, I'm really excited to like experiment and play all these other games and and do some, you know, you get some use out of those. And then we'll come back to D&D and we'll get back into the next big campaign. But I'd like to do a bunch of like shorter runs of a whole bunch of different games for like the next year. Um, And then it became abundantly clear to me that. The interest from everybody else wasn't as as great as my enthusiasm for that. So I'm like, okay, well, let's hold off for maybe six months. One of our players is getting married and moving. Uh, So let's just do other things for a while. And then when he moves, we'll start the next campaign so we don't end up starting something and then losing a player that we knew was going to get lost, right? Um, And so then it became six months. Uh, We played some Torg. I introduced it poorly again uh, to this group. And so um, I I had a really hard time getting them into that. We finished sort of one act of a seven act story and it's like, okay, let's, let's get, give it a break and and go play something else for a while and we can come back to it. Um, And so we went to Dresden files um, and we spent what a session and a half building characters and the setting and that kind of stuff and, and played about half a session of Dresden files uh, and then had to stop for a few weeks because we got some playtest stuff to, that we had to do, um, and decided over the playtest stuff, like all of the other non D stuff that we've been doing, has felt partially because of my failings and partially because of life and timing being what it's what it was. It's all kind of felt like a chore, a bit of a bit of a slog, and, and we're not having as much fun. And then we got to go and do this D stuff for a couple of weeks, and suddenly we're having a blast again. So I, we just made the call last week, you know what, no, we're just going to put all of those games on the shelf, maybe we'll come back and do some things later, we're going to start D&D again, starting in two days, on Friday, we're, we're going back, wow. and t- we're, we're starting the next big D&D campaign, uh, and, and they're like, Are you, are you going to be ready? to start a big yeah, two campaign in, in, in one week and i'm like oh but this is the descent into a campaign and i've been thinking about it for two years ah. <laughs> so i'm ready <laughs> so it did not take much for me to get myself back up to speed and what have you so so we we only did half a session of actual dresden files we did um about a month of torg uh and one or two of the players was really not jiving on it at all i again i feel like i introduced it really poorly um, I got to remember when introducing TORG, the the day one adventures that came with the original core set, uh, Kickstarter, is really good for introducing the game. Uh, it's designed to do it and it does it really well. I've had great luck doing it and I don't know why. Twice now I've tried to introduce this group to TORG without doing that. So I'm dumb. I, I recognize my dumbness and, and uh, life – on top of that, and you know I had a, a player who who 's typically like my most enthusiastic role player who was completely lost in the game because she was working like two jobs at the time seven days a week for like three four weeks at a time so when it came time for game night like she just didn't have the energy to learn a new super crunchy system and get it like and that meant the role playing suffered for everybody and you know so it is what it is i think the the plan is we're just going to do these campaign these D campaigns and then in between we'll do like one or two other things instead of trying to do a whole bunch of other things and then get back to another D campaign so I've got my descent into Avernus campaign starting on Friday, and I have been working up this idea for how to do session zero and character creation together. And that that's been a bit of a chore getting them to not make all of their characters in advance. It's always um, it's always hard. I I had I have two players who one one of them is is a, a bit of an artist, and so two players. Well, one of the that player told me that the two of them had been collaborating on what their character is going to be for descent into Avern- what their characters are going to be for descent into Avernus, like a year ago, <laughs> you know. Uh, and in fact, she had already created artwork for their characters, and I'm like, what, what, what if that doesn't fit the campaign that we're trying, the story we're, t- the, the campaign is trying to tell? But now, like you've invested all this time and energy, and you're enthusiastic, and you've created artwork for it, and oh man! So now I have to create whole new things that otherwise didn't
2: were Did, going they, to did exist. they know what and, kind of characters at all to make?
0: I mean, I, I I told them generally speaking, you know, it's descent into Avernus. so you're going to be going into hell at some yeah. point, and, they... and and it's and it's a it's a story that the major theme is redemption.
2: Right. right. So, so they probably have a pretty decent idea. I mean, the adventure has been out for a little while. So how <laughs> how I mean, are, are, are you hearing the character backgrounds and saying, like, I don't know how the hell that's going to work?
0: My first impression was like, oh, you want to create these characters that are associated with some like uh multiversal uh, assassins guild. And yeah, you know, and it's like, that's, that's going to require a bit of a lift because I I have to invent whole new organizations. I actually have an idea.
2: I mean, that's pretty cool. Right now. Right.
0: <laughs> um, I have an idea. Uh, and I think I can get them to do some, some massaging of the concept and I've can make some tweaks as well. And I think it's going to work well. I think it's, it's not going to be like a massive assassins guild. I'm going to give them like, a patron and so far as they know they're the only assassins working for this patron uh and i think that will still work and and i had this i don't know i told you i've been working on build, building up my descent into a campaign for like two years now so i'm sure it's going to be a huge disappointment but i had this idea for instead of having a an angel inside of the companion um what if inside the companion is Kaz? Uh, as in Kaz and Vecna, the, the mm-hmm. Kaz the Betrayer, enemy mm-hmm. of Vecna, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that Kaz is sort of – and then offer him up as a group patron a la Tasha's.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And his whole thing is he doesn't really care about the Zerial thing. He's manipulating them into Avernus to do this thing so that they can kill Archon and, and destroy the Hand of Vecna. Because screw that guy, right? Okay,
1: yeah. Um, okay. And so – And so hey, you're going to uh, – you're gonna have uh, uh, Ma- Ma- Maggie. I-, I forget his name. Maganello. 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 Go Maganello. You're gonna have him like come and guest guest shot in your. Uh, uh, yeah, your I'm sure. I, I'm sure I've got that yeah. pull.
0: Yeah, I can yeah, get. Yeah.
1: I
2: can mm-hmm. get Joe Maganello to come
1: make a couple of calls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me. Shoot that's him a really
2: tweet. does 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 uh, does Archon have both the eye and the hand? No, he's just got the hand. Just the hand. Okay.
0: But then, but then I figured there could be if they don't quite want to give up their characters yet like they did after, after Curse of Strahd. They weren't ready to give up their characters, so I came up with a whole third act. If they get to the end of Descent and don't want to give up their characters yet and want to keep playing a little bit, there's a potential third act of, okay, now you've freed Kaz from the Companion, and he wants you to go out and hunt down the Eye and, and what have you too. And so there's a potential follow-up storyline we could do. Um, or it could end that way th- at that point as well. Hey, you freed Kaz, he takes back his sword and goes and hunts down Vecna. Uh, that's you know in the epilogue and you go back home and it's happily ever after. it can sort of go either way depending on on where they're at. so
1: um, so I, yeah so I I've played got- go ahead. I, I played in descent and it, it was fine just bringing in things that necess- didn't necessarily come from like the normal setup.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, hell's, no. hell's a big place. The only problem is you have to, you still have to have those hooks. There still has to be those initial hooks that drive you. I mean, depending yeah. on how you're running it, right. There's like the, the big run. Why are you willing to go down there? Mm-hmm. And do you actually care about El Toral? Yep. Are, are big questions that, that frankly, the adventure itself doesn't do a particularly great job at. No, that's true. So, you know, if you can find those hooks elsewise.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I've, um uh, I've had, I had, so I've run it before with my, for my, my kids. Um, and, and I had pretty good luck with them by having them be from Eltorral. Yeah, and, right. That's and, the way I did
2: it, and it worked great. And
0: I ran the, um, well, I ran both the what is it, Escape and Fall of Eltorral adventures. Yeah, Fall of El-Tor-El's Uh Fall of Eltorral is yeah. particularly good. Escape from Eltorral was was fine, but it's clearly like a an Adventurers League thing, and it and it, mm-hmm. you know, it was okay, but it it didn't add a lot to the. Yeah,
2: Fall Fall completely changes. But fall, fall of Eltorral completely well, changes the campaign. And
0: yeah. I, and. Uh, I've I've I ha- I've had I a, had a a fever dream like I don't know a year ago and had this idea that I that I'm going to try with them, where I'm going to make Fall of Eltorral function as a series of flashbacks. So there, okay, it's gonna sure. it's gonna start like the adventure starts. You're you're there at the gates of Baldur's Gate. You're looking out at, at the refugees and you see this this person, right? Uh, and it reminds you of of this thing that happened, and then we flash back to one of the chapters from *Fall of Elturel*, and then you you see that you you you're looking down at your your hands, and you see uh, one of you sees this colorful thread tied around your wrist, and we do a flashback to *Fall of Elturel* where you meet this little girl who has this really colorful scarf, right? Uh, uh, you know, and and you you get the message. From Rhea that she's in Baldur's Gate hiding out, and you remember how you you know first got the mission, and and then we do a flashback to them fighting the, the cultists uh, in in what is it chapter three of Fall of Elter. So so I'm gonna do I'm gonna break it up and do actually Fall of Elter a little bit out of order, but do it as a series of flashbacks in that session zero or session one depending on how our time goes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I think that'll be interesting. It'll give them um, some of the. I've, I've built up a bunch of sort of relationship questions um, to do uh, like like you used to do, Mike, uh, back in the what fourth edition day with your fiasco style relationships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a little bit of that as well. And so I've got to, in the session zero character creation fi- stage, I'm going to have several questions like, hey, one of you. Or or two of you have this kind of relationship, two of you have this kind of relationship, and then there's another round of, and one of you has a connection to, or one of you knows that Thavius Krieg snuck out of Elturel right before it fell and are mm-hmm. hunting him down. One of you is aware of this puzzle box and you're looking for it. One of you knows about the shield of the hidden Lord and, and wants to to figure out wh- where it is and what, you know, and give them all these sort of hooks to to drive them forward that are personal to their characters a little bit too. Uh, so I'm hoping um, that'll really propel them forward. I mean, it wasn't hard to convince my kids to do it all because, like, we started session one and they're like, so when do we go to hell? They were really interested, <laughs> eager to go, right? So they didn't have to be, be convinced that it was a good idea.
2: Uh, but yeah, you, I think could, you could safely, depending on what you want, if you, if you don't mind starting at higher level, if you have players that are like, oh, sure, we'll start at fifth, you could skip the whole Baldur's Gate thing and go straight to – Go, you know, candle, There's a reason why you're in Candle Keep. There's some mission that you have there, and that mission requires you to go to hell.
0: I mean, honestly, uh, you, you don't even have to do that. You could just start in, you're in Elturel. You were in the yeah. city when it was dragged into hell. Yeah,
1: right. Go, you know? <laughs> so, D- DM Jazzy Hands ran the game I was in. We were on a stream, and we just jumped in. Like, yep. you're in hell.
2: Yeah. Um, I can't and, remember and, if, and, if I heard that the adventure originally was written that way and got shifted mm-hmm. around. I, I thought I, I thought I had, had heard something on a podcast or something like that where they talked about that like the original you know, the original structure of how that adventure played out was you started in hell right. and you had to like go find El Tyrell. and then right. you know the well, success I, of Baldur's Gate, they said we're gonna add Baldur's Gate into it. Right. And then and then uh, shifted uh, and, it. And I
0: think my players are still gonna have a good time in Baldur's Gate. There's a lot of potential
2: I like to the, do that. Yeah, I'm I'm um, I love the Baldur's Gate section. You know, well and and it, I've It got just the... has nothing to do with the rest of it. <laughs>
0: And I've got the the Beetle and Grim stuff too, so I have yeah. all these props and stuff to use. Sure, <laughs> so, yeah, right. Um, so There's I'm gonna the use them. So. Yeah. And, and I've and I've bought. Oh, I, I you know I mentioned I've been working on building up this campaign for a couple of years now, right? So I've bought all these additional sort of supplemental uh, right. adventures and things on DM's Guild, and, and I'm you know here's here's a collection of encounters that helps really boost up the the Dead Three and and integrates them throughout the whole story because that's another thing that's like they're a big deal at level one and two, and then they like. Disappear from existence in the adventure, and you never hear hear about them again. It's like, but like, Ball's holy symbol is on the cover, and Ball is completely unimportant to the story. <laughs> you know, so uh, so that is. Uh, this product sort of tries to integrate the the Dead 3 cult a little bit more all the way throughout the adventure, including when you get into Hell, and so then it becomes a little bit more meaningful.
2: Yeah, I I really love the Shield of the Hidden Lord story. The idea that there was this, like, super powerful artifact buried beneath Baldur's Gate and, like, the family that went and got it and it corrupted everybody around it. I think that the, you can really take that and and uh, run with that angle think, of it.
0: I think Teos did a did a whole Shield of the Hidden Lord adventure that I had uh, as
2: well is it Taos or was it Empty Black? I thought I oh thought,
0: it was one of the two actually yeah I'm yeah not
2: sure. I think Empty Black might have done it and yeah but it just there's something like creepy movie stuff like the you know, movies like The Keep well, or the Prince of Darkness right these these really creepy movies about powerful artifacts that are to to
0: potentially make that even better. Yeah. Um, I, I will remind you from my last campaign. The players in my last campaign created the shield of the hidden lord oh, even in, order to, yeah. in order to trap Gargoth, who was one of the, yeah. the cha- dark champions of the of. Can Raven they Law. can they role
2: play like, hey, look at this cool shield, right, right, <laughs> like, oh man, powerful. We're gonna wear that, right? And well, <laughs> when I, when when I ran go. it
0: when I ran it with my kids, I I think I even did a whole thing where the voice that was talking to them is like, no, 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 it's an angelic shield. I'm an angel, and I'm trapped in here with right. a demon. You right. know, <laughs> so. Excellent. We yeah. gotta help yeah. them. I don't know that I can pull but, that off. Probably uh, because they have the meta
2: knowledge of not, they were not they with a game grade. like Gargoth.
0: Well, sure. and I and I think it'll be I think it'll be a fun thing when they've they've in the previous campaign they've dealt with with uh, Portier who's who's a Baldur's Gate character and the Shield and um, the Van Thampers they've they have a, a decent amount of exposure to so there's a bunch of stuff I've been I layered into the previous campaign and I think they'll enjoy the cameos of like oh I remember Duke Van Thamper, we totally met her and and her mm-hmm. and her oldest kid and now they're here you know I think they'll I hope they'll enjoy that because That's why I laced those cameos in there. Jeremiah, you want to Uh,
1: say something? Yeah, I was going to ask, how are you going to uh, um, convince people to use the coins? Because that seems like the recurring question with that adventure.
0: So here's the thing. I solved that problem when I ran with my kids by reversing it. Um, reversing how the coins and the ichor worked because ichor is plentiful and coins are hard to get. And there's a moral issue. Um, so I switched it. The, um, the, the fuel for the war machine or the infernal machines are demon ichor. And then if you want to give it a boost, that's when you, you slot the coins in. So it's a lot less like the machines are functional they can do their job and if you really need a boost and you're willing to make that sacrifice of of using a coin then that's when you use the coin
2: yeah we did okay. the, we did the same thing we we allowed uh we allowed D- demon icker to be used to fuel the machines instead of coins in that way cuz i think depending on how you play the adventure if you play it with like Questionably questionable people, questionable characters, like morally ambiguous characters, that can Mm -hmm. be fun. But I had rewritten it so, or not rewritten, but I had played it so that the characters were the shining light of good in the hell. And then you're like, hey, destroy these souls to make your vehicle go twenty miles, and you're like, that's like the worst possible thing you could do. I'd rather, I'd rather murdering people isn't that bad,
1: right? Like, yeah, (laughs) I I I played the 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 lawful good guy in the the party. Uh, and you know, I was like, guys, we can't do this. This is destroying souls. One of yeah. the,
0: one of the things I'm really trying to push with the, my session zero on Friday is like, it's a, it's a redemption story for the characters too. So, so you have been morally questionable people and you're trying to do better. And then the, the temptation of the coins plays into that. Like old, you would have used that coin cause hell yeah. Right, uh, But you're trying to be a better person, so maybe not. Maybe you're going to hesitate. Maybe you're going to make a different choice. Uh, and so that, I'm trying to – I'll be curious. Again, I, I'm still flipping the, the way Icker and coins work because um, I think that just makes the war machines infinitely more functional in the game. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I, I look forward to sort of seeing how that plays out for them in terms of the moral quandaries. Because I know the, the one, like, super into a dramatic role player is going to be all about that, so. All right, I am, uh, I think maybe five or six seconds past my time so uh (laughs) i will stop my time there i will let people know that uh if you want to support the show we have uh, a patron a patreon that uh pays the bills for the show if you go to patreon.com slash the tome show uh you know as little as a dollar a month and then uh you know that helps me me keep the thing going right so right now, if you are a patron, um, you have I have sort of a an Ask Me Anything post over there where it's like, Hey, I got Netherdeep uh, early actually. If you anything you want to know, you know Ooh, like,
2: fancy? You right? got a preview copy?
0: Yeah, yeah, I got
2: a preview oh, copy cool. last week. So,
0: yep. All right. Um, so that's the Patreon, Mike. Yo, it's your turn.
2: Uh, I am running two different campaigns. One is my Numenera campaign on Sundays. We've been we've been running a Numenera game that's been awesome. But I do another show where I talk all about my Numenera game, so I'm about to talk about it here. And on Wednesdays, I've been running uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and I. Thought I would start off rather than kind of pontificating or waxing about my game and stuff like that is trying to say like now that I've played chapter one and a good chunk of chapter two, like what are the big tips that I can offer people who are considering running this adventure? And I got to be honest, it is hard to come up with any because it runs pretty well, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, there's hardly anything where I said like, oh man, this needs to be changed. Like this doesn't work as is. There are things that I have done to change my campaign right but not not because not i because read it, it, it not because it needs it the only yeah. the only one where you could say like well does it need this would be like if you the it, the, the risk that combat is a failure state was something i was concerned about right. the idea that the way the adventure is written theoretically uh, a group of characters could get through the whole adventure without fighting anything mm-hmm. and my what i worried about was if the players kind of knew that and got wind of that. And if every encounter has like this alternative state, would they feel like every time they got into a fight, it was, it was wrong, right? It was the, that they, they got the wrong answer. And I'm like, but combat is a fun thing to do in D and D. So I don't, I don't want that to be the case. And so the, the major modification that I added is this thing I've been calling dreadful incursions and uh, dreadful incursions is a way for me to Jeff Griner, my campaign mm-hmm. by, taking another book and adding it in. And in this case I'm taking Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft and all of the various domains, not all of them, but a good list of domains from there. And saying every so often, my, my whole my whole theme and my whole idea is that uh the world of Prismir, this 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 realm of the of the of the uh, uh what's it called the Feywild, right? That when uh, uh what's her name? Zabilna uh, when Zabilna was kidnapped. Spoilers, right? A little bit of spoilers here. Uh, when Z- when Zibilna was captured away, part of what happened is that it turned out she was keeping away the domains of dread from the Feywild, and with her gone, these two planes are starting to collide. Mm-hmm. And as they as uh, the longer she's gone, the worse the collisions get, and the more these prisons of these dark lords start to have these openings. And the interesting thing is, even the dread, the, even the dark powers that have built these prisons for the dark lords, they don't have control over these little openings. And the dark lords, if they get wind of them, are like, "Holy cow, we can escape, right? I can get. I've been right. stuck in this cycle for I can step out, right?" And so, and 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 more practically, it was a way for me to drop in really creepy monsters every so often, uh, that are clearly like, "You should go fight these things, right?" And so I've 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 now dropped this in about three or four times and, and it's worked pretty well. The the only risk that I had is I dropped one in my chapter one scene where they were in the carnival and a bunch of crazy mutant rats came out from one of the one of the planes. And they thought immediately like, wow, all this, this whole place is corrupt. And oh. and the two and Mr. Witch and Mr. Light are part of it, right? And and I was like, no, I it, I didn't isolate it enough for them to think like, oh, that's right. not everything, right? They suddenly thought they were in the Domain's Dread, <laughs> right? And I'm like, no, no, it was this one little encounter, right? right. So I, I, I you know, I made it clear to that. Enough enough people came to them. And, well, but it, what, and, and
0: what, what, I mean, the carnival is... Yeah, right. Van stolen from a domain, yeah, appropriate, yeah, yeah. Right. Or, uh, adjacent right. anyway
2: Mr. Mr. Witch and Mr. Light actually did come from another Domain of Dread, right? right? Like they, they sold it to the poor woman who's stuck there now. So the, um, but the, the interesting thing, Elowick Tumblestrom, who is a plane Walker, uh, it was interesting that she became a much more important character because she could be the one to tell them all of this. No one else can figure it out. No one right. else knows, but she does. Cause she's a plane Walker. She's a different kind of entity and she's not like this omnipotent, you know, uh, uh, El minister character who k- could solve the whole problem, but doesn't want to she's just a bard, right? But she's like, look, all I know is like I'm a bard, but I happen to be a plane walker. I can't even really control it. Just sometimes I go from plane to plane and I can see things that other people can't see, but I'm not any more powerful than you guys are. So I need you guys to help, right? Like you, you're you in a position to be able to solve this and I'm not, and I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow, right? So it's a way for her to kind of drop in and drop out and say things are going on. The neat things about the incursions is they could be very small. They could be literally one encounter where like, when they went into the magic mirror room, one of the mirrors showed the uh, I forget the name of it, but it's the big uh, the big sea sea domain, right? Where there's all kinds of nasty sea creatures and there's a female uh, pirate captain who's like half undead. And it was really cool. Right. And they just saw that one glimpse and fought a couple of sea spawn and then the thing shattered and they the the the, the domain disappeared. And it gave a lot of. There was like a lot of flavor I could pack into that one combat scene about mm-hmm. what they saw on the other side of the gate. Right. The real fun one is my characters just ended at a big um, hag's pot in the middle of a an area, mm-hmm. and the pot. And then all of a sudden, I, I roll. I have a random thing, and I roll to see like what domain is tied here, and it was Blutspur. Blutspur is the mind flayer. The oh, yeah, yeah. the mind flare domain. So now the pot kind of breaks open and like blue smoke comes out and intellect devourers start crawling out of the pot and they're going to like see into this nightmarish realm on the other side. So it's really kind of a fun way to add this stuff in. And it's also fun because like the reaction of the people in. Uh, in the rest of Prismere, they they like they never really understand it, and they're like, well, so like while they're fighting intellect devours and peering into this alien world built from the mind of a of an elder brain that's trapped. On the other side are like two of the uh, frog people dressed in their fancy clothes in like a little boat, right, like sailing by. Like, what's going on over there, Mildred? <laughs> you know? And so there's like on one side you have like the fun and crazy whimsy of. The of of Prismere. Pri- Prismere and the stuff going on in Witchlight, and the other side you have like this horrifying tentacled nightmare realm. So I'm 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 enjoying it. I was worried that it would be too grim, like you know the whole argument. my My big thing was like you know we've had like three adventures in a row from Wizards of the Coast that are all these like super grim dark brutal adventures of isolation and terror and it's like you know w- boy it'd be nice if they did a nice one and then they do Wild beyond the witcher light and i'm like you know what this needs is more grim dark terror right, right? <laughs> so i'm like being hypocritical in my own approach but but it's been fun and like and then one of them they went to aslan the, the world of the uh crazy wizards that have mutated the whole planet right not, it's like not, du-
0: not the lion from narnia
2: no, not that. Yeah, you know, the very opposite of the Bernard, yeah. right? So it's this <laughs> twisted, mage scorched, dark sun-like place. It was a red wizard of Thay named Azlik who ruled over, right? And that one, they actually had a dungeon. It was, it, it like the the place had bled into Prismir, but there was an anchor that was holding the two of them together, and they had to go find the anchor. And it was a, it was a tree that had like from Prismere that had gotten corrupted when the thing came in and they had to go and destroy this tree Mm -hmm. to sort of break the anchor between the two worlds and send it off and you know that one so I had like an entire dungeon that I got to throw in there that also represented this twisted mages land and that was really cool like new monsters like those weird they have like rat things that reflect spells you know so I got to use a bunch of cool monsters from Van Richten's Guide, and mix it in with the story of uh, *Wild Beyond the Witchlight*.
1: I, I would have been tempted to actually do a little more of a tour of the the multiverse, like you know, have not just Ravenloft, but like there are portals that lead you to you know, Greyhawk or Ravnica sure. or you know some other mm-hmm. random realms, just to give them a a little more of an ex- the experience that this is. This is driving home. This is not the world you know.
2: Yeah. Well, they well, got that. They've got two worlds they don't know. Yeah. You could have
0: justified that pretty well, I think, by, by just saying it wasn't that she was holding back uh, the domains of dread. It's just right. that without her, she can't hold back all of the non Feywild from the sure. place. Yeah. And I, make I, sl- I, I, slowly destroying Prismere. But –
2: I could Either, do that, but at some point, I, I might want to run like a Planescape game too. Right, and right. and know, and, it, and, the, and
0: then it becomes a real kitchen sink thing, and you, you
2: yeah, kind of lose it's a the lot of different stories. Right, and this one, sure. the nice thing is the juxtaposition between light and dark, because you know the domains of dread really are sort of the opposite of of the Feywild, right? Like, I think the it's, they are. Are they called the Shadowfell? Like, is it? It's uh, I don't. I forgot what the relationship is between the Shadowfell and the Domains of Dread, but I think they're pretty synonymous.
0: Historically, the Domains of Dread are subdomains, right, in, in the plane of Shadow, back in the second. Edition right. Anyway, so. yeah,
2: yeah. 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 So there's, so so yeah, um, yeah. So it's, there's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, but I think like the only, you know, again, kind of the only things that I that I look back on and go like, what worked really well. Uh, So tying the characters together early on as a group that all found each other because they all lost something at the carnival. You did the lost things hook? I did the lost things hook, yeah. And the the, the funny bit of the lost things hook is I didn't like the idea that it was only eight years since they showed up. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be longer. And my, my wife came up with a wonderful one, which is her character lost her sense of time. And among this group was the one responsible for bringing them to the carnival to show up in eight years and was off by a week. And they missed the carnival, and they had to wait another eight years for the uh, carnival to come back around again. So now it had been sixteen years, and I just loved, you know, I loved that like they lost a whole, you know, a whole further eight years. Yeah. So so the group got together because they had all lost things, and uh, that's and they found each other in other parts of their lives, and and discovered this fact, okay. and then that's how their group their group got together. So that that's that that worked really well. It's like finding that as a as a way to tie them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the whole the whole thing about like more more so than any other adventure that i've played maybe yeah i think so more than any of the hardcover adventures like the theme of this one is so important and it's so important to reinforce like the, the theme of whimsy and wonder right the the alice in wonderland uh you know um what is it the the uh, the the like, oh come like on wizard of, the wizard of oz that's what i was thinking I was I say, know, because, this, because this wild line Witch wardrobe was stuck in my head
0: yeah this, this adventure directly has
2: i know right a, it's got it's allusions got, to the wizard right, of oz absolutely right it's got direct metaphors so like capturing that idea and hanging on to it and not losing it which is a, a danger when you start throwing dreadful incursions in there sure right i have to make sure to constantly like reinforce the the whimsy and the fun and when the characters are like they look at the map and they're like, "There's a crazy serpent up there with antlers." We're talking, you know, they call them the lake lakealope, and they're like, "We're going to go visit the lake lakealope." And I'm like, "I better come up with some fun stuff for the lake Elope. because that's clearly <laughs> weird and that fits the theme, and they're into it. And why wouldn't I do that? And right? And there's nothing descri- not, and it's
0: not described as nothing in the book, <laughs> right?
2: So, you know, I, but the, that's I think there's actually DM Guild content that includes it, uh, but I I kind of just whipped up my own my own fun. Clarence Clarence the lakealope, right? Clarence. And he's. You know, he knew lots of valuable things and they're like, you should set up a thing where people can come and take selfies with you. And so that he started doing that. So, you know, (laughs) capturing that, like the whimsy and fun of, of this adventure, I think is something that it's, that it, it is important to take conscious, you know, put conscious effort on, you know, and I, so, so that's something I'm, I'm always paying attention to and something that I'm reinforcing. And the other one is like, boy, this adventure has a lot of moving parts right and it and it has a lot of moving parts right in the beginning like there's all these mm-hmm. different characters and all this different stuff going on in the carnival and if you can keep track of like you know the the Kenku who's and her motivation and what she's doing and Mr. Witch and Mr. Light and their things and the, the thefts and all this stuff there's so many different like angles going on and you're like and and there's a bunch of things like you need to understand about the campaign up front cuz so many different things that happen in the carnival have an effect later right. on it's well, a give, lot they, of they threads. They give you the
0: little, the little cheat sheet. And I know. To
2: track. Yeah. yeah. And like, <laughs> you know, but like I'm busy and sometimes I forget to track that stuff, right? Like, because run, it turns out running D&D games, fair amount of energy, right? And fair amount of like attention applied. And for me, I'm, the one thing I'm terrible at is taking notes during the game. So that's tricky. And then making sure that you continue to follow those threads throughout the whole campaign because they don't they don't get smaller right there's the unicorn horn and there's all these different things that are going on and what things were stolen by which people which relate to which of the hags Mm -hmm. matters and and so there's all and then god then you add the league of malevolence in there and now you got a whole other set of characters going on so there's a it's a lot to track right i don't think it's a fault uh, of the of the adventure uh but it's a lot of things to have to pay attention to and to to make sure that we don't lose a threat on it for us lazy dms you know that can be that can be a challenge right. jeremiah you look they like got a question did you have a question
1: uh, i was the thing with which uh while beyond the Witchlight uh when it came out and i you know hearing you uh talk about it one of the things i thought it was maybe lacking at least for my use, right? You know, I love that it's whimsical and everything, but fairy stories are real. Can be yeah. really dark, yep. like really scary. Yeah, and it felt like it wasn't.
2: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind that. given given that I just came out of Descent into Avernus and uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Sure, I didn't need any more. <laughs> I was. I'm more than happy to have right. just yeah. Your, and there is like there's some dark. Like it's not. It's not the totally creepy stuff but boy like some the couple of the hags are really scary and 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 there are you know like you go in there and it's like the uh what are they called what are the the um the 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 court the soggy court there are they what's their the frog people what are the frog people called bully yeah so that when you get to the bully it's like they they're all kind of going around like having, you know, like like it's Downton Abbey, right? Going around the little boats. And then it's like, here's a line of all of the heads of the previous kings that they've killed in various plots and assassinations. But then the heads start talking to each other and you're like, okay, like it it was yeah, very whimsical and then all of a sudden really grim and then back to whimsical again. Right. Right. And so it does it does a good job of that. So yeah, I didn't I don't I don't mind it, but again, I now have this other dial, which is the dreadful incursions and I can sure. make I can make those as dark as I want. And they have been, right? Like some of them are really some of them are really
1: grim. Yeah, um, I, I definitely would have uh, uh if if I were running uh, I might have tapped some of the books uh the that cobalt press has published yep. they put out a lot of dark fae stuff. Yeah, yep.
2: yeah definitely yeah and, and I and, think yeah they have Court of the Shadow Fae, which you could you know you could probably yeah. slide in there somewhere. There's a lot of yeah I think that's true. Kobold Press, I think, has a significantly a big library of of that kind of. Stuff. I mean, that Tales of the Old Margrave obviously is is sure. packed with a lot of that kind of stuff. But they just they just did another one. I just got it. This uh, Into the Wilds uh, book, which is all of their a bunch of Warlock layers that are yeah. set in forests, and it's got I, I I think it's got a lot of Fey based adventures. Um, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of options there. But one one thing that I'm just very happy about because I complained for like six months on this show is, you know, a Watsi hardcover adventure that I'm, I'm on board. I didn't, I don't feel like I really had to make any mods except the ones that I wanted to make. And the idea that like, it's, it's a struggle for me to say like, here are three things you really need to do to run this adventure. Well, it's like, well,
0: read, read it. It it has been additions since Watsi has given us an
2: adventure that you can just take as is and run. I I argue. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I think we've had this discussion in the show numerous right. times. I think I think Curse of Strahd and Tomb of Annihilation both both are pretty well. Tomb of Annihilation needs a little bit of tweaking. Yeah, Curse of Strahd, <laughs> I I I I felt like curse. I felt the same way about this that I feel about Curse of Strahd. I didn't really feel like I had to make major modifications right. to Curse of Strahd. Well,
0: well I, I didn't. I don't know that I had to make major modifications to Dragon Heist. I don't.
2: Uh, I did. I felt like two, two chapters of it. Like the, the, the big loose ass chapter where like, the, here's, all the here's, missions. here's 45 potential quests you could go on. Right. Right. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't feel
0: like I had to change. I just had to work on the, the, the pacing.
2: Yeah, but the chase was also a nightmare. Like That
0: is, that is significantly less of a flaw to me than uh, the premise of the death curse
2: is wrong. Uh, that's <laughs> so, so easy for me to fix. The death curse is basically fixed. The chase right, I had to it, redo.
0: We've we've had this discussion <laughs> millions <laughs> yeah. of
2: times. So Right. Let's go uh, into our – let's talk about every one of them again.
0: Uh, Yeah, let's let's uh, let people know that if you want to get a hold of us or the show, the show is available on Twitter at the Tome Show. Uh, It's also on Facebook and we have a Discord channel. If you reach out to to uh, the show on Twitter, although if you're on the show's Twitter page, it's linked actually in the bio Uh, or want to tweet at any of us or shoot an email to the Tome Show at gmail.com. We will send you the Discord link. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Squatch. Mike is at Sly Flourish. And Jeremiah is at Technoir. Yep. All right, Jeremiah McCoy. If your first time on Behind the DM Screen, tell us about your games.
1: So I currently am running two games. Uh, I'm running a Starfinder game, um, and I'm running a long-running gra- sort of mid-guard. Uh like my own version of Midgard, but Midgard, uh, adventure. Um, the, the Starfinder game is a little bit newer. Um, and I'm more or less just following an adventure path with it. So, uh, it's, it's rare for me to run a published adventure as is, but I find like with a system that I'm less familiar with, uh, sometimes running a published adventure allows me to get a feel for what the publishers think a, a fun adventure is in the setting um and i'm running a, a, against the a Aeon throne and it's a lot of fun and my players are having fun and yeah we just wrapped up the first uh, sort of chapter the first adventure in that series recently um my Midgard game has been running for much longer years now and uh uh it's it's odd cause like I, I started out with sort of a hybrid dragon heist and it, and then I mixed in some elements of Margreve and then I like just went off the rails after that. Um, I it's my way of running a my own campaign is I will toss out a bunch of adventure hooks and just let them go for whichever one they want rather than sort of directing them towards a, a particular thing. Uh, and that, led to things uh, happening. One of the things I do with that, though, is if I toss out an adventure hook that is driven by some NPC's intentions, uh, if they don't do anything about it, that goes off and the NPC wins. Sorry. Um, And uh, they they ran into one of those uh, a while back where the uh, Vampire Kingdom tried to blot out the sun. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the vampire kingdom and the uh, ghoul imperium tried to blot out the sun and the PCs had to realize what they were doing and had to go stop them late in the game because I had yeah. dropped hints before. Um, and now we're getting towards the tail end of the campaign. Um, and, you know, I was like, here's the the plot line. These people are apocalyptic cultists and they want to destroy the world, you have to stop them. And by the way, they're going to use you to do this. I have a, uh, a, a barbarian who is, um, he's, he's, uh, the, the name, Asimar. He's an Asimar. And we were trying to figure out like a story behind why he was, uh, the way he was, he's a zealot barbarian. And the story ended up being, Uh, He's actually uh, kind of a demigod, like his father is Odin. Um, And he just didn't know it, Mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, he's uh, and the, the bad guys are going to use him as a conduit to sort of destroy the source of the gods powers, because the gods in Midgard all started as mortals. And so they've figured out how to do that. And they figure if they destroy that power, they'll destroy the world. Um, So he's the target of it. Um, One of my players is a warlock who is a celestial pack warlock and his patron is Odin.
0: Mm.
1: Which was one of the deciding factors on why I was doing that. Um, And so they have this big overarching plot that they're trying to resolve. And I've given them outs like, I pu- I put a spelljammer ship on the pl- uh, on the planet. Like a crashed spelljammer ship. They went and explored it, found it, rebuilt it. They can leave if they want to, they just haven't. Um which was fun, you know. Uh, they they had fun with that, but right uh, the wizard in the party recently decided he wanted a uh, robe of the archmage. <laughs> and um you know, they they went to uh, a Queen of the Fair Folk, for lack of a better term, S- Siristra, uh, uh, who is uh, sort of the dark queen of the fae and also a goddess of night and magic in, in the setting. Uh, and they had dealt with her previously, and uh, she was very attached to the kobold in the party. Um, And so they went to her And was like hey can you help us uh, Find this this might help us Have enough power to take on the things That are trying to destroy the world And first she offers it, Them a solution to You know protect the town they're from They're from Zobek uh, Which would have led to Essentially the Shadow Court Adventure mm. Basically she she's like I can take over the city for you if you want It'll be protected from the dragons that want to uh, uh, kill you right now. It'll be fine. They'll, they'll be protected. <laughs> you should do this. <laughs> and, you know, unsurprisingly, my veteran players are like, yeah, no, that's that's not a good idea. Um, but uh, she did tell them how to get to his tower. And I'm doing basically my own version of the Tower of High Sorcery right now. Mm-hmm. Um. Where the wizard has to go through a bunch of tests to prove he's worthy to have the robe of the archmage. Um, and I'm, I'm honest that honestly there is a portion of that adventure that I am or a portion of that test that I'm not sure how I'm going to implement it. Because I mean this it's a big thing. Like the robe of the archmage is not a small item. Sure. Um, and really he's trying to prove he's you know. The best of the best at
0: this he's, point. He's he's the archmage, yeah.
1: Right, and he wants to be like he wants the white robe, and um, so I've got to find a way that is a test for him. Yeah. Um, what, what level are uh, is he? And what level the characters? Uh, they are ninth level. Okay, so about not, to go tenth. Yeah. Yeah. Not
2: crazy low level. No, 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 no. Um, I mean, it, it's powerful, but it's not the worst thing i've ever seen right yeah guess. Like, it gives them you know resistance to magic and ac 15 plus their decks and yeah. spell saves and attack bonuses go up by two so it's yeah from a power it, like, it should matter because it's a powerful sure item in lore but you're not gonna like oh you care at ninth
1: level things are already not, uh, uh, against again. anyway and they're already swinging well above right. their CR Every, range. Everyone, everyone is
2: <laughs> above.
1: Yeah. Like I, at, at one point, I, this was several levels ago. I threw, like, I tossed. They, they went to go stop the the thing with the vampires, and I was like, Well, here's the first vampire they run into." Yeah. And in one round of combat, they killed it. Oh yeah. I mean, the, like, not killed, killed, but right, right. it made it go away.
0: The yeah. the idea of the magic test to prove yourself worthy is, is – it's an interesting conundrum. Like it, this is not a new concept in D&D or in fantasy lore, right? But it plays – in some ways, it plays so much better in fiction, uh, in novels, right? Uh, right. It's hard to do because like you don't want to just – make it some a series of skill tests and and whatever and you don't want it to turn it into just well here's a combat where you throw some spells around and see if you can win um you want it to have weight but you also want it to be achievable and some of that weight has to be narratively but but I feel like I I want to support the narrative weight with the mechanics and I I'm not sure how to do that I'm I'm curious what you're going to do <laughs>
1: Well, so the first test they did beat the f- go through the first test, and um, like they gave, they were given a sort of riddle clue that you know uh, sometimes to fight the darkness you have to embrace it, and they were fighting things that as long as there was light in the room. They would just keep making more. Okay, and and it was the the individual monsters were not so terrible. But they were never ending. The, yeah, but they were never ending. And it, it, it was clear that if they didn't stop them, they would lose. Right. Uh, because eventually there's just going just to be so many of them. attrition, could... right? <laughs> so. Right. Um, and so uh, the, to defeat them, they had to put out all the candles in the room and convince the paladin, who is a, a paladin of cores, basically a Radiance. Uh, Paladin to put out his light knock it off yeah (laughs) Um, and he's human so in darkness he's like he's screwed Uh, (laughs) but yeah they they eventually did this The next one they're going to have to go into a fight uh, and but the to actually hurt the thing they all have to be poisoned they have to have the poison condition Mm -hmm. to actually hurt the enemy they're fighting interesting I wonder
2: if –
0: could you make a worthy challenge – I wonder if it wouldn't be a worthy challenge just for the wizard then where like the obvious answer is you have to do something horrible to the other PCs – but since they're trying to – so you're, you're setting it up like it's a moral quandary, right? Right. But the reality is you have to not do the horrible thing because it's the white robes. You're supposed to – these are the good wizard robes, right? So you have to show yeah. your, your sort of moral fortitude even if it means you're going
1: to fail. I, um, I had to real quickly check and make sure that my players were not in the chat. Oh.
0: So.
1: <laughs> yes. they uh, They're players. not. But, yeah yeah spoilers if you're one of my players and you get to this point on the podcast and we haven't done this yet uh don't 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 listen any further that that would be great um but uh yeah i i, I think my final test is going to be a moral test um and my experience with this is actually um with so at I'm a larp'er. Uh, actually, part of the same larping crowd that Brandis Stoddard did mm-hmm. is is part of. And there's an old uh, thing that we we did at these LARPs called circle tests. So if you were your caster character wanted to level up an ability, uh, they had to test to prove that they were, you know, worthy to gain that right. Uh, and, and so one of the 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 things was either you prove that you know understand the thing that you're a caster in well enough, or you prove that you're willing to take it to the line. Uh, and so my final sort of circle test here is trying to make it so they have to decide what gets sacrificed, what or who gets sacrificed mm-hmm. in the final test. Um, and, and, you know... You decide that a, an, an innocent in that situation has to die so you can gain power. Okay, that's black robes.
0: Right. So, so this test isn't so much a matter – I mean it's partially a matter of, of whether or not you've earned the robes. But it's also a determining uh, which robes you end up
1: getting. Right. Um, and uh, – I'm trying to figure out how how, a way of having them sacrifice their principles, which would be more of a red robe thing. And then they sacrifice themselves Mm -hmm. in some manner to be white robe. But the, the the thing that I'm I'm sort of getting caught on is having a way of them sacrificing themselves without losing the character.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: If that makes sense. Um,
0: well, I mean, I think the obvious answer is it's magic, it wasn't real. You don't actually sacrifice yourself even though you th- you it absolutely was real to you at the time, it turns out it wasn't.
1: Yeah, but I don't want them going into it thinking that. Right, because then it's not a sacrifice.
0: No, absolutely.
1: I'm just playing the game. No, know? yeah, it, you it, you
0: have to convince them that it's real. So, and and I don't know. Maybe 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 they're presented with a way that it seems like there's two obvious things to sacrifice, right? Sacrifice the innocent, sacrifice this other thing. But there's sort of this unspoken, or you can save them both and sacrifice yourself. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, and that's the that's the unspoken white robe option. Is you can save them all by sacrificing yourself. I don't know. The trick is I don't know what the second one is.
1: You talk. Yeah. About,
0: you know what? Else, what are they going to sacrifice? That if they choose that, it's the red
1: robes. Um, vengeance. I'm guessing is really where I'm at. Like they have the option to kill one of their enemies.
0: So this innocent can be sacrificed, or your or you can. Well, I guess, or you can not kill your enemy.
2: Ranger Ranger Sierra Eleven brought up that this this is actually similar to the tests of the Frost Maiden, uh, yeah. which I didn't I didn't run as written in the book, much like most of the rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Um, <laughs> but I did I I did use that this idea, and and part of it is like how much are you willing to have just as part of the theme and the story. And and recognizing that the players. And if you if you recall, like in the Tower of High Sorcery, Stalin, you know, one of the things when he was going through it was he he was getting tested and it was getting his ass kicked. And then Caramon showed up and Caramon started throwing lightning bolts around. And Stalin was like horrified by this, that his brother was actually better at magic than he was. And like killed him. Killed him. And yeah. they and they said, Hey, congratulations. You've successfully figured out that you're that was an illusion. Right. And he's like <laughs> right yeah <laughs> right and that that kind of was a defining characteristic of raceland and so i in, when i ran the when i ran the tests i did something similar which was like the tests were designed for followers of the frost to give up their lives for the Frostmaiden. and they were given these sort of illusory choices that felt as real to them as anything. They The, the players knew it, it was an illusion. The characters probably even knew it was an illusion. But it felt as real as anything else, and they had to commit these terrible acts, which was usually like, you know, turning on their friends or, or, or stepping away from their, their people and letting them freeze to death in order to support the Frostmaiden. And they knew, mm-hmm. the players knew, like, I have to do this if I'm going to get further in this. But the reality is, like, I'm giving up, even though I'm not really doing anything. I know that I I know what I am willing to sacrifice to to do what I need to do, right? And the players really embrace that I had one group of players that embraced that fully. I had another group where in the in the test just was giving the finger to the test and be like, I'm not gonna do your your thing. And then they ended up having to fight Throstmaid, right? Because she's like, you know, why would you come all the way to the island only to fail the test? But so the idea of like wrapping it in flavor, even though like everybody knows it's fake even though everybody knows that it's not having a mechanical effect or there's no other thing, there's still like a fun, you know, there's a lot of fun of like what that does to the character, right? Like what, what, what choice do they make that even if it's not real still, I mean, if we had to do terrible things in a world that felt as real to us as the real world, even if we knew it was fake, we'd still be very traumatized by this. Right.
1: One of the, one of the ways to get around that is to, give really vivid descriptions of what they're doing right yeah like even or, if they, and even
2: even a little bit of how they feel about it right we don't right. want to talk too much about the players about how the characters feel but in this case it's an unconscious feeling right these are new yeah. things that you can't get rid of
1: yeah. you, know, you you feel the knife uh you know push on the skin and yeah. it get, begins to give a little and you know give a, that level of description Suddenly, it's a little more uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, I had I had one of my one of my players one of the one of the characters was given the choice of which of you, of your mother or your father is are you going to ask the Xanathar to kill first, right? And his character never recovered. It ended up turning into this really dark, sinister guy after being a happy-go-lucky guy because of the choice he made there. He couldn't he couldn't face his parents again. He had to leave society. It was really it was pretty powerful stuff, and it was all just the player role playing what happened.
1: Yeah, uh, it, uh, I'm. I'm interested in trying to frame the sacrifice mm-hmm. element so that it's costly, but it doesn't rob them of the character. Right. That's that's where I'm at. Well,
0: and and I don't know. I'm I, I, playing off of what Mike just talked about this 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 test of which of your parents are you going to kill, right? Um, if it can be personal like that. You know, it, you know, let's say, I don't know the character, I don't know the, the setup, whatever, but let's say it's that exact thing, right? You you have to sacrifice mom or you have to sacrifice dad. It turns out one of them was a real asshole and, and it's kind of an evil jerk anyway in the world, right? So sure. that's less of a sacrifice to make. Maybe that's your red robes, right? You're sacrificing another for your own power still. Um, so it's not good, right? And then the third option then is or you sacrifice yourself uh, and neither one of them has to die now i don't know who or what the, the things or people are that would be important to that character, but you could do something like that. You know, this one or that one. One of them is clearly an evil act because you're killing a good person. The other or getting rid of a good thing or whatever. The other one is not a good act, but it could be worse, right? You, you've mitigated a, a little bit, right? You've justified, uh, or you could sacrifice yourself uh, in, or to to
1: save them both, um, and that yeah. would be an interesting
0: I, sort of challenge.
1: I, I'm, I'm one of the ideas I had was, so they've been told that there is a vampire priestess that knows the secret to stopping all of these bad guys that are trying to destroy the world. And they have reason to hate her. She has, uh, turned one of the knights, uh, sort of, uh, retainers, uh, into a vampire. She's, um, you know, she's behind the plot to blot out the sun, She's a bad person, mm-hmm. um, but she also has the information they need. One of the thoughts I had was to have her be there for some reason. And, you know, you have to sacrifice something. One of the pro- possible sacrifices is the future because you could kill her. Right. And just not know the information to stop the other bad guys. Right. You may not be able to save the world if you do that. Um that might be the red choice. You sure. know. And she I mean, maybe
0: she's clearly a powerful spellcaster if she's blotting out the sun, right? She maybe she shows up as like, oh hey, I'm yeah, what do you mean? I'm part of the wizard council or whatever, right? Uh you know.
1: Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I think the innocent in the situation, I think, will be Uh, a character that they've met previously from, it's from a Margreve adventure. Uh, I forget the name of the character right now. I don't have my notes in front of me, but she's a uh, tied to the Margreve Forest. Mm -hmm. Like, she's got a mystical connection with the forest once and so on. And they've run into her a a, a couple of times. Um, And uh, that will be the innocent. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that the vampire priestess will be the the thing, uh, the well, the, the and, by, in- and,
0: and by sacrificing the innocent, you don't lose anything personally, all right? You can still get the information you need, you can still save yeah. the world. So it's just purely, uh, like it, it doesn't hurt anything to sacrifice them, but they're innocent. That doesn't, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm um, like yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the other sacrifice might be that it's a divination wizard, he may sacrifice the ability to see the future.
0: So you're sacrificing your, your sight, your vision. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. On. That's an right. idea. There you go. Well, I, I look forward to, to finding out how it goes. So when you, when, yeah, you, really when cool. you do it and, and you run it and it either is brilliant or it bombs either way, I hope you tweet about it and tag me in it. So, so even if we don't get you back as a backup DM, uh, I get to find out how it, how it turned out.
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I post session. So one of the changes of uh, that I've started being better about uh, in uh, pandemic years um, is that uh, one I've I've learned t- very well how to use roll twenty's set. Oh. I stopped seeing it as a an obstacle I had to work around and figured out like the actual tools so that I could get something out of it mm-hmm. and the other thing is i write up post-session reports nice like before i go to bed i just sit down and i'll you know write a page of a write-up of everything that happened at the, uh, during that session so that i have it in uh, more in my head uh in general but also uh i do a lot of improv stuff a lot of stuff that just isn't planned right and i i need a record of what i just did so that i can i can come back because sometimes the games you know will take a couple of weeks off because somebody's you know stuck at work or i get invited to a like a stream or something and i can't make it um and having those notes there are invaluable to me
0: awesome all right, I'm going to go ahead and call this the end of the episode. We've been we've we've successfully rambled for I think over an hour, like we usually do. Somehow, fifteen plus fifteen plus f- plus fifteen equals Ends up, yeah ninety equals uh, sixty six minutes tonight. So yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, thank you, Jeremiah McCoy, for, for yeah, thanks in for this coming. episode.
1: It's Absolutely catching
0: up. Uh if people want to find Jeremiah McCoy besides looking for Tech Noir on Twitter, he is is the the world famous uh TikTok artist, a DD and d TikToker and they can find you on TikTok how?
1: Uh basics of the game. Um I tend to I post like sometimes 3 or 4 videos a day. So uh it's 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 on there. Um and uh, I do talk about lots of D&D stuff and other geeky things. I also have a website, jeremiahmccoy.com, where when I do blog, it does get put up there. Uh, I don't get to blog as much as I used to, but I, I do blog from time to time and still put it up there. So There
0: you go. All right on. Uh, you can find Mike, uh, as always, at slyflourish.com and twitter.com slash slyflourish uh and everywhere else i guess your discord is is your home these days and, and
2: um youtube is pretty big youtube is, is a my big patreon deal. yeah
0: So but yeah go, so is the best way there way to, yeah. uh and i'm and i'm me you know i'm around here I'm, a, I'm mostly on the tome show you can find me all over the place i'm not hard to find so anyway that's the end of this episode so i'm gonna say uh say goodbye guys
1: goodbye guys goodbye guys